Hey, it's Brandon. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for the download today. Today's episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. Learn more about Zenium's complete HR plus payroll solution or custom HR solution at zeniumhr.com. Well, I'm really excited for today's episode. It's a conversation with a lifelong friend of mine, Josh Durham. He and I had different paths professionally for the longest time, and it sort of converged as of the last year or so. So Josh and I, we played baseball together. In fact, he was a second baseman. I was a shortstop, and we turned many double plays up the middle together. And post-college, he went into the construction industry where he was a very successful project manager and worked on some humongous projects, skyscraper projects, school projects in the Portland, Oregon area, and just a huge responsibility. So he was for years immersed and still is immersed in the construction industry where he's working on these huge projects and leading large groups of people, subcontractors and other leaders, and had some bumpy roads and a lot of successes. And in this conversation today, we're talking about his his career path, his experience as a leader and the burnout moments. And out of this, he ended up forming his own consulting company where he has developed this foundational five leadership principles, which he talks a lot about both in the construction industry and outside of that. And so we're diving into these five core principles today in this podcast. And I just really had a lot of fun with Josh. It's always fun to have a conversation with a friend. And I hope that comes through in the conversation for you today. I hope you enjoy. Make sure to connect with Josh on LinkedIn. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'd love to hear how you liked the episode. Enjoy the conversation with Josh Durham of Gamut Project Solutions. Hey, Josh, welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brandon. Good to be here. It's great to have a guest that is actually a longtime friend of mine. So this is going to be a fun conversation. You have like quite the background and you're not like a typical guest for me because you've got a background in construction, like project management for giant companies, and you've done some major projects. So maybe give listeners a snapshot of what your career has been like up until you know, the last couple of years where you made a big shift. Sure. Hard and hard. <laughs> <laughs> Stressful. Yeah. You know, and sleepless nights. Yeah. You know, and whether it's, you know, construction or another kind of technical project management, it's a challenging role to be in no matter what the industry is, I think, because you're managing and working with people. Right. And so, uh, yes, I, I spent, uh, you know, about 17 years at Hoffman Construction in different project management roles. Built really cool big things, you know, about a billion dollars worth of construction over my career. And, you know, that gave me a lot of opportunities to learn lessons the hard way often. But I, I like to introduce myself now as someone who's failed. You know, those failures are things that have really helped shape me as a person and they've helped shape me as a professional. And they've also, you know, led me to my role now as the principal at Gamut Project Solutions. There's probably uh, not enough time today to get into all the stories, you know, but I'm looking forward to sharing some of those, 
what I call gift of failure stories later as we kind of work through all of this, because they're really valuable, not just to me, um, but to, you know, the folks that I work with and this classes that I teach. You know, I share these stories because these are the things that helped me, you know, learn what not to do <laughs> and what to do in the future. And a lot of it is based on leadership. Personal leadership, I say, you know, you got to be able to lead yourself before you can lead others. And, um, you know, there's a great period of time in my life where stress, you know, won the day and I wasn't leading myself very well. And so my ability to lead others uh, suffered as a consequence of that. And so we learned a lot of lessons that showed me how, how to lead yeah. um, the right way. I don't know if you want to share, but I, I remember you went through a period where you were like really sick because... You were so stressed out, and I, I know it had a lot to do with how you were managing yourself, leading yourself, really. And I don't know if you mind sharing a little bit about like that period you were going through with just the stress of the work and, and all that and what it ultimately led to rethink the way you were managing yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which time? You know, um, <laughs> <that's right. laughs> I'd say, you know, the, the last time I, I went down uh, really sick, I was down for about nine weeks. You know, I'm thankful for it now. It was hell when I was going through it. And ironically, I never even stopped working during it. You know, I worked for my bed, right? You know, but it also, you know, it gave me a lot of time just to think and reflect and ask myself over and over again, how did I get here? Why am I in this bed and not out there being the dad and husband and son and friend that I want to be? And yeah, you know, I like so many people, I worked my way into that illness. I put myself right there. Yes, I was managing two projects at once, plus some, you know, more ugly kind of litigation stuff in the background as well um, on another project. So there was, yeah, there's a lot going on in my professional life there, but, you know, not, not once leading up to that, did I ever really stop to think about slowing down, you know, for better or worse, that's the culture of construction in a lot of ways. I'm not unique in the experience of going down really hard with some sort of sickness or, or worse um, in the industry. More commonplace, I think, than anyone cares to admit. But it's getting finally recognized, I think, by some firms. And there is some more focus on relief for folks you know, that are in roles like myself and others. So um, yeah, that time is pivotal you know, in my life. It helped me reprioritize how I, you know, took care of myself. You know, I had my had my primary care doctor during that period of time look at me, point point her finger at me, and say, "If you keep living like this, you're going to die young." Jeez, you yeah, know, that's, that, nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. No, no, how did you climb out of that that period. Like, did you make lifestyle changes? Did you just did you stop working as much? Uh, did you? meditate like what <laughs> give me give me the trick you know i hope someday i get to the meditate level you know i i do right. i do do you know breathing exercises and, and you know those, those are helpful yeah you know hey if the navy seals are doing it you know then it must work right so no i didn't stop working you know i, I didn't as soon as i felt well enough to get back to it you know i did but i also earmarked in my brain something has to change Right. You know, I was right in the middle of a very large scale project and, you know, I wanted to finish that. But I also knew at that time, like this isn't this isn't sustainable for myself, not sustainable for my family. And, you know, so something needs to change. So that really started me down the path of looking at other other options besides just building really big things for another 15 or 20 years. The main thing that made me want to go back after being down really sick like that um, was the team that I was working with. You know, it was those people 
that you know the the superintendent, the project engineers, the other you know project managers, the, the actual humans that were involved in building the building, you know, I didn't want to give up on them. And you know, they feel this. You know, those folks, you know, felt the same way. It was a real, a real team, and I wanted to see that project through, even if it meant another. 10 or 12 months of working my butt off really hard. That's the reason I got out of bed every day. And really for all the previous projects too. And you know, some of my stories, you know, there's really hard <laughs> projects where you're working 70 or 80 hours a week. I slept at job sites many, many That's times. Crazy. Give listeners a sense for like what kind of pro when you say big projects, I don't think people like really grasp like what you're working on. What projects were you managing? Yeah. Uh, you know, brand new high schools, ground up facilities like that, new concourse buildings at the at the airport, the Monoma County Courthouse Tower, I'll just say by yeah. name is beautiful. You know, one of my thank you, one of my pride and joys, but you know, it's a three hundred and twenty five million dollar project and we had thousands of craft workers coming through that site and uh, and really a very small, you know, management staff of about eight people to manage that entire thing, which is tiny in the grand scheme of a $325 million project. So yeah, really, you know, really big things like that. I had the pleasure of building one very small project and that was my like 10 month break, I call it <laughs> during Hoffman, uh, during my construction management time. But um, otherwise it was, you know, $100 million, $200 million, $300 million, you know, type of project. I'm thankful for it all. I couldn't be doing the kind of work I'm doing today without going through all those challenging projects, I found myself in many pits of despair, right? Woe is me, you know, kind of mindsets many times during those. But I look back now and I reflect fondly and thankfully for all those opportunities, even as hard as they were. None of them put me in the ground at least, but they were, they were really challenging. And, you know, the construction aspects, the technical aspects of building are challenging, yes. But it, it always came back to managing the relationships with people and, you know, communicating effectively with folks and leading them, you know, in a way that folks actually want to follow you and trust you. I didn't learn that overnight. You know, I tried to, I, you know, I had, you know, leaders, right? You know, some were good and some weren't so good. And I tried to take the good and leave the rest. But, you know, some of those habits, um, you know, I had to break myself through my own leadership practices once I was in that position. There's a lot of lessons to be learned. I think what's incredible about a construction project, which is why I wanted you to give that background, is there's so many people involved. There's no one person can be a hero in those big projects. You have specialists for every imaginable thing. You have layers of people managing probably subcontractors and other things. And then you're, you're, the buck stops with you, right? The budget, the accountability, all those things. What sort of things did you learn early on in your leadership around these big projects, uh, whether it's about people or accountability, what was it? Yeah, uh, it's tough to pick out one thing from that wrong question, but early in my career, you know, I figured out that taking the hard line all the time, you know, doesn't really win the day anymore. Maybe, you know, it used to, I think it used to. Yeah. And I think there's still a perception that that's the only way it is in construction. And it's really not. There's lots of other folks that like me that believe in, in compromise, you know, and now part of the series that I teach, I talk about negotiating relationships, you know, in those relationships, I think you have to have two things. You have to have knowledge about why you're in the relationship right? And then you have to be able to display empathy for the other person, you know, that you're in that relationship with, whether it's a professional one or a personal one, you know, I think those two core things I learned over time that you can't just have 
one or the other. Early in my career, I was all about knowledge. Any discussion, you know, anything about a project, you know, I always wanted to come into that discussion with all the facts, right? And that only got me so far. You know, at some point you wear people down so much, it doesn't matter if you, you know, know all the facts, they don't want to work with you. I mean, they don't want to follow you either. I would say it was an evolution of realizing that the ability to meet people where they're at. Again, whether it's a subcontractor or, you know, your own internal team members or a client or a designer, you know, whoever it is, you know, everyone's bringing their own stuff into the relationship, their own knowledge and their own abilities. And my ability over time to meet folks where they're at and show empathy for their struggles is really what made me a successful leader. Those are the two key things that over time, I think I developed the best. You've talked about empathy a couple times. I think that's, it's one thing for like to be empathetic on the job about the job itself, but people are also humans and they have baggage that they're bringing with them from home in their personal life to a job site. When did you start building that muscle, that skill set around really trying to seek to understand people? Because at the end of the day, like you need them to do a job, but you're also probably empathetic and compassionate about their situation. And so they can bring the whole self to work to produce results at the end of the day. That's what, I mean, that's what leadership's all about, right? So when did you think you made that shift in your career? About year eight into- Oh God, that's, that's deep. Yeah. That's deep. In. Yeah. You know, but in, uh, in other terms, a lot of construction folks think about it. I was only on my fourth project at that time. So we were three and a half. And it was a specific, you know, we had a subcontractor on a project falling down on their face from the moment we signed the contract um, into construction, there were major struggles. And I had the joy of, you know, managing them. And the first year or so of that relationship, I just hammered on them, right? I had all the facts. I had all the knowledge about what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, what their contracts said. Directive. Yeah, yeah, all that black and white stuff, right? And you know what? They didn't get an ounce better for that first year. And the relationship, you know, only got worse, right? To the point where, you know, we could barely sit in a room with each other, you know, without having, you know, some big blowout argument. Um, you know, they switched project managers. They brought in a, a gray hair, very, you know, seasoned man who um, yeah, I, still, I still think fondly about today. And he met with me the second time we met. The first time didn't go very well. The second time we met, he said, you know, I just feel like you're out to get us. And so I don't want to tell you the truth. I said, I was like, what, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, you're always just about the facts, right? And you never look at our side, you know, and the, the challenges that we've had and the, the stuff you've signed us up for. You never seem to consider, you know, our side of the story. And in my head, I'm like, I want the darn building built, right? And he said, but I, you know, I promise to you, I'm going to try to see your side of the story. I understand to a great degree why you're frustrated. Um, and I'm just asking that you come my way a little bit. And I was like, wow. Powerful. That's hard feedback to hear, by the way. Like most people, I mean, that constructive criticism like that is tough to take. Yeah, it was. In the moment, it wasn't like I was like, yeah, cool, man. You know, I still had my, you know, my fists up, right, verbally. But then he demonstrated, you know, that he was going to see my side of the story too. And he was willing to admit, finally, you know, their shortcomings. That pulled me right in, right? I was like, okay, this person is showing empathy for me. And it made me naturally want to return it to him. Now, everything wasn't perfect after that. You know, some things are so far down the road, you can't fix it all, but the relationship was salvaged. 
you know, and they finished the project, albeit challenging. We maintained a level of respect for each other the whole time. And, you know, there was tough talks at the end about money, um, but we stayed out of court <laughs> and, you know, we settled it over our conference table in our trailer and it never escalated beyond that, which in a scenario like that, uh, which was very extreme, you mm-hmm. know, that was a win yeah. for, for everybody. So that's really where I started learning, you know, the the power of empathy, which is different than sympathy. I'm not talking about sympathy, you know, oh, shucks, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, your dog yeah. died or whatever. Meeting people where they're at and seeing where they're coming from doesn't mean you always agree with it. But if you can display that to other folks, the power I've found in it is, you know, they'll, they'll display it back to you and then you got a relationship that's healthy. 100%. So fast forward to... Well, really a couple of years ago, you went on your own and now you're doing a lot of consulting work. Talk about that shift. You just talked about a couple of lessons. You you have a million stories that you could tell. We'll, I'll have you back and we'll talk about some of those stories. We'll, we'll get into them. But shifting over to what you're doing now, talk about your business a little bit. And I, I do want to get into just the a, a nice overview of the, the curriculum that you've built because I think it's really fascinating. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so Gamut Project Solutions, you know, the what we do is in the name, right? Gamut is a full range, you know, of services. And so we still, you know, we're still managing multiple construction projects right now. We just don't hold the subcontracts anymore. So we're helping general contractors. Uh, we're helping owners, you know, we're helping design teams do the construction management side of projects, which is really, you know, yes, I was a general contractor, but we did construction management on most of our projects as well, which are Two different things we don't need to dive into here, but they're they're both equally important. So um, when I left my previous career, I knew I wanted to stay in the building community and I still wanted to keep building things. I wanted to be part of that process in one capacity or another. So, um, you know, that's still part of it. I, you know, I say we, we kind of have three different focuses, you know, guiding, which is our, our mentorship of small businesses, planning, which is where we get involved with small or medium sized businesses and really help them develop their entire business. And then the support piece, which is the construction management piece where I say reflects in the old muscle. Everyone on our team, you know, that is doing construction management comes from the GC world. We've been right there where those general contractors are now. And I think that's a benefit both to GCs and to owner developers uh, because we can see both sides of it because we, we've lived it. So we kind of have those three different areas of work that we do. And with the guiding piece, the other element of that besides our small business mentorship, which is so fulfilling, I have also developed a six-part series called The Foundational Five, which is focused on, we give practical tools, you know, to contractors of any size, uh, and it's scaled to kind of match what they do. So we give real practical tools, but a lot of it is focused on leadership and relationships and communication. So it's called the foundational five uh, guiding principles. And all these, these five guiding principles are based around my failure stories. I messed up here. It was epic. Here are the lessons I learned out of it. And I've over a long period of time, I've, I've formed these into these five guiding principles. And, you know, these are lessons I didn't learn just on my own. I learned them with other folks. Yeah. Through other people too. And I'm sure you'll see as you continue to guide people, you're going to see all sorts of different things through other people's lenses as well. I'm sure. A hundred percent. And even, you know, every time I teach the the series, I learn stuff. I'm always looking for feedback on what we're talking about. And, you know, I'm always trying to enhance it and dial it into the exact audience that I'm giving it to, you know, whether it's a general contracting company or some sort of subcontracting company, which could be any sort of scope of work, right? 
this also applies to the, you know, the designer and developer side too. And frankly, it's not just about construction. The principles that we talk about, these, you know, for me, I try to practice them in my personal life and professional life. These apply whether you're building toasters or building buildings, you know, it's, uh, I don't know anyone that builds toasters, but you know, no, that's, I don't either. <laughs> the principles still apply. And that was kind of the point. Like construction is my area of expertise, but my purpose, you know, at Gamut is, you know, helping to build up people. And that's, that's the goal of the Foundational 5 Series itself. Um, and it's not just me. We also have the other building industry guides that are part of Gamut that come in and, and teach parts of the series, especially when we get into the technical aspects. Uh, if we're talking about project scheduling or estimating or pre-construction, you know, you know, all these different very specific areas, we bring in other experts from our team to give those classes as well. And then I stretch over all of it with the, the core guiding principles um, of the series. What are the five principles? So yeah, it's a uh, principle number one is agreements. Principle number two is communication. Principle three is leadership. Principle four is agency. And then principle five is relationships. And relationships is last in the series, not because it's any less important, right? It's actually everything. You know, your relationships are everything in your life. But the first four principles are really focused on introspective work yeah. <laughs> on yourself. Right. And so we, you know, we, we do the first four principles focused on the individuals in the, in the class. And then the, the fifth principle, uh, relationships, all those tools and best practices that we talk about in the first four, they carry into healthy relationships, right? So again, you can't lead yourself, you know, and if you don't have a good relationship with yourself, you're going to have poor relationships externally too, right? We've all experienced experienced it, you know, both ways. Those are the five guiding principles. Yeah. I like how they all, the first four build into like the relationships, because if you, if you have one of those that are off, whether it's agreements or way you communicate, you're not going to have good relationships. The relationships are a byproduct of those first four principles. Yeah. A hundred percent. And the thing that's kind of blown me away as I've delivered this content, you know, several times now over the last couple of years, you know, it's a wide variety of folks that are in the room, right? It's not all like brand new people to the industry. A lot of these folks, you know, they got, you know, 15, 20 years of me and, you know, technical construction experience, but more often than not, it's those folks that have, you know, been around as long or longer than me that will come up to me after the classes at the end of the series and tell me how much, you know, the principles have meant to them and just how true they are and that they're going to carry forward the content we've gone over into their careers. And those are like, wow, you know, these are people that, you know, I look up to been doing it longer than I have, but it's still having an impact even for folks who've been doing it for, you know, 25 or 30 years. What I love about what you're doing is, I mean, I'm not in the construction industry, but I, you know, there's a stigma around it. There's like, men, it's men dominated, it's command and control type leadership. And I, it seems to me that you're trying to change that for the better. I know you're working with like Oregon tradeswomen, you're working with diverse groups. I know you're trying to, to really elevate people who probably once weren't at the top of the construction industry from a leadership perspective. So talk, maybe talk about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, you know, this industry cannot remain a male dominated industry. There's over 500,000 vacant construction jobs as we speak. Not These are not numbers made up by Josh. This comes from, uh, you know, the publications that track this in the United States. That vacancy gap is growing. It's not shrinking. And part of that is because of that 
culture that, you know, this is just a job for guys, particularly it's been, you know, white male dominated. That is changing and it has to change for all the right reasons. If we want to keep building buildings, we need to give folks a reason to come work in this industry. And if it's going to be an industry that's based on, you know, shame-based and fear-based leadership, that's not inclusive, then you can forget about it. We're just stop living in buildings anymore because we won't be, have the people to build them, right? So our work uh, with Oregon Tradeswomen and Rise Up is their respectful worksite program that uh, we're all trained on and are implementing trainings uh, to as many, many contractors as we can. That's all based around the concept of creating a psychologically safe workplace. There's unpsychologically safe workplaces in every, every business sector, right? Construction happens to be my background, but the principles that are taught in the respectful worksite training that we do transcends all of it right? It goes into your personal life too. If people don't feel psychologically safe, they are not going to make physically safe decisions. They're going to be distracted, right? And when you're distracted, you're not thinking clearly, that's when people get hurt. When we're talking about that concept of creating a respectful workplace that's psychologically safe, those are the kind of things that folks that are new to the industry or, or have left the industry that are thinking about coming back, they need to see that there's a commitment in the community, the construction community, to create those kind of workplaces. Because otherwise, why would they come to work? Why would they take that option if they know that they're going to show up and get yelled at or you know singled out or bullied, uh, any of that? Like You wouldn't want to go to work in a place like that, right? Neither would I. And I've seen it. I've been there. It's ugly. And so that's another kind of that guiding piece that we're doing with folks is is implementing those programs on every project that we can. And I tell you, there's plenty of resistance to it, right? People don't know what it is and they, they're scared of it. But, you know, we, we go back to the idea of if you have a respectful workplace where people feel psychologically safe, you're going to minimize the distractions on the site and you're going to maximize productivity, which all leads into the core things that you're, you know, any general contractor, you know, is focused on, which is safety, budget, schedule, quality, all those core things that everyone knows how to talk about, right? Well, the thing that's going to enable a job site to have those things go well is if your workers feel safe, right? And they're productive and they're not distracted. So I think there's a perception in the industry right now, because this is still a newer concept, um, that this is just kind of one new thing, another program, right? Another shiny object that people are going to talk about for a little while and then it's going to go away. But I just couldn't disagree more. This is core to creating a safe job site and safe workplace. And if you can't have that, then you're not going to have folks that want to work on your on your projects or in your company. I so agree. With the foundational five workshop, uh, the curriculum, who's it for? And, you know, is it just for the construction industry? I know you said it really applies across the board, but, you know, if organizations are really interested in something like this, how can they learn more about it and and get involved in it? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny you brought that up. I just got done doing one of these uh, sessions a few days ago, and someone who was in it came up to me and asked me, hey, do you do this only for contractors or, you know, would you do it for other organizations that maybe aren't even in construction? I was like, oh, no, this content applies to any business where you have more than one person involved in that <laughs> business. There's tactical tools that we build for each class that we teach that are focused on what that particular client base works on. So, you know, general contractors, so we're talking about, you know, uh, schedule tracking, you know, methods and, you know, change order logs and forecasting. 
all those kind of practical tools. But the, the principles themselves apply to any side of construction for sure, whether you're a developer of properties or a design firm or a general contractor or, or any sort of subcontractor, definitely applies there. But this this really reaches beyond the construction industry as well because it's it's about how to be a purpose-driven leader. That's kind of the string I draw through the entire class. I don't know, there's probably a thousand books on leadership out there, right? And there's lots of great concepts. You know, I've absorbed a lot of that, but I believe that if you don't have a purpose for why you're leading and you can't lead your own life with purpose too, then you're just not going to be that effective. So purpose-driven leadership is a concept you know, I've created that's part of the Foundational Five curriculum. And so again, whether you're in the construction industry or not, the purpose-driven leadership concept applies across the board. And I think in later sessions, we'll expand on more what that what that means. But yeah, it applies it applies outside of construction too. Awesome. Well, Josh, thanks for coming on and sharing the story. I think um, this is a good introduction to, to this curriculum and I'll definitely have you back and we'll get into the, some of the principles because there's, there's a lot of meat on that bone for sure. Yeah, I can't wait to share some of these gift to failure stories. Your, uh, your audience is going to be blown away. They won't believe it all happened to one, one person. It's <laughs> crazy. I love storytelling. So I, I appreciate the, the fact that you're willing to be vulnerable and share some of the failures. Where can people learn more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm on uh, LinkedIn and we have Gamer Project Solutions um, on LinkedIn as well. Then, of course, got to have a, a website. So, yeah, you can go to www.gametprojectsolutions.com and uh, we're there. And then there's a, if someone wants to reach out to me directly, you know, you can click the link right on the front page there to schedule some time to chat with me and learn more about the Foundational Five series. Um, or learn more about the rest of our service offerings too. My guest today has been my great friend, Josh Durham. Josh, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Brandon. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of ZenMHR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.